0: Hello, and thank you for downloading this program from Star Decisis Radio, where we discuss all the judgments of the United Kingdom Supreme Court. My name is Mark Tottenham. I'm a barrister working in Ireland and the editor of an Irish legal research service called Starry Decisis Hibernia. For any regular listeners to this show, apologies for the delay in recording this and other podcasts concerning mid-December judgments. The Supreme Court released a bumper crop on the 16th and 17th of December 2015. Then the Christmas holidays intervened and my two small children did not leave enough silence in the house for me to record anything. The judgment we are dealing with in this show concerns the intersection of criminal assets and value-added tax. Essentially, the question is whether VAT paid or by a company should be taken into account when the state confiscates criminal assets. The name of the case is R.V. Harvey, 2015, UKSC 73. And the majority decision was delivered by Lords Neuberger and Reed on the sixteenth of December, with a con- concurring judgment by Lord Mance. Dissenting judgments were delivered by Lord Hughes and Lord Toulson. In order to deal with the judgment, there are two very different areas of law that need to be understood: the confiscation of criminal assets and value added tax. In recent years, many countries have brought in legislation that allows the state to seize assets that are believed to be the proceeds of crime. My own country, Ireland, was a leader in this regard and allows for seizure where the police give credible evidence of a belief that the property in question was the proceeds of crime and where the person in possession of the property cannot prove otherwise. In the UK, as we shall see from this case, the property can be confiscated as part of the criminal prosecution. It is important to note that many criminal enterprises have a lawful face, and this is how the charge to tax becomes relevant. Whether laundering money or using a lawful front organisation, many criminal asset organisations pay tax as if they were law-abiding citizens, including VAT. For those who aren't familiar with how it operates, value-added tax, or VAT, is a cunning method used by states to treat businesses as unpaid tax collectors. As any VAT-registered person knows, and I am one myself, every invoice has to include an extra tax charge that must be collected by the business and then paid to the state at the end of the relevant tax period. If you are organised, you should set this money aside in a separate account so that it does not become part of your cash flow. Some businesses don't do this, or in times of economic difficulty they raid their VAT money, and this can have very serious consequences. In this particular case, the accused person ran a machine hire business was apparently lawful and, most relevantly, VAT-registered. In the course of a police investigation, however, it transpired that a number of the items of machinery on hire, but not all of them, had been stolen. The owner was convicted on nine counts of handling stolen goods. His turnover for the relevant period was assessed at over £5 million and the portion attributable to stolen property was assessed at over £2 million. However, this included the VAT money that had been collected by the offender and paid to the government as VAT. The only issue on appeal was whether the VAT element should have been disregarded when assessing turnover. The majority d- judgment was delivered by Lords Newberger and Reid. They took the view that VAT was different from other taxes, in that it arose in relation to each taxable supply. For the state to take VAT into account when assessing turnover would amount to a sort of double recovery, and this was not the practice when, for example, excise was (coughs) assessed in relation to smuggled goods. They concluded that the VAT had not been obtained by the criminal enterprise, to use the words of the legislation, and that it would be disproportionate to include it when assessing turnover for the purposes of confiscation order. In this case, however, I find the dissenting judgments to be more illuminating. In his dissenting judgment, Lord Hughes noted that tax was paid by many criminal enterprises. As he said, open quotation, the burglar or thief will rarely pay income tax or fall liable to other taxes in connection with with his crime. But many of the most serious acquisitive criminals will. Those who make a business out of their crime may well do so, and especially if they adopt the cover of legitimate trade under which to pursue offences such as drug trafficking, fraud or smuggling. The bigger the criminal operation, the more likely it is that the outgoings incidental to the crime will include one or more forms of tax payable to the state. He went on to note that VAT was not held on trust by the taxpayer for the state, but was simply money collected that gave rise to a charge to tax. As he said, open quotation, when the defendant obtained the VAT element, it became his own. His interest in it was not qualified or limited by any other proprietary interest held by anyone else. The revenue had no interest in it, but only an expectation that it would be paid the difference between output and input tax. There can be no question of the defendant having a nil interest in the VAT element of his receipts. End of quotation. Lord Toulson was similarly dismissive in his uh, dissenting judgment. He noted that the criminal confiscation scheme was based on turnover, not profit. If VAT were to be disregarded, he suggested, why not employees' wages or rent on commercial premises? The taxpayer was not a mere temporary custodian of the VAT element, collected and paid. He said, It is a core feature of the scheme of post-conviction confiscation of the legislation that the scheme strikes at the gross value of money or other property obtained as a result of or in connection with the relevant criminal conduct. End of quotation. He went on to say, open quotation, The primary aim of the present legislation, is to provide a practicable means of taking away from criminals their proceeds of crime. A secondary aim is to deter others. These are legitimate aims. The mere fact that enforcement of the order will in many cases leave the criminal worse off than if he had never committed an offence does not of itself mean that the measure is disproportionate. End of quotation. Finally, he said, open quotation, For my part, as a matter of general principle, I do not consider it disproportionate to the legitimate aim of the legislation for the court when making a confiscation order to disregard outgoings associated with property obtained by a defendant as a result of or in connection with his criminal conduct, and I cannot see a satisfactory reason in general for distinguishing fiscal from other outgoings end of quotation. Put like this, I find it hard to disagree with the dissenting judge- judges in this case. Nonetheless, the majority view was that VAT was in a different class from any other money collected or paid, and that it should be disregarded for the purposes of criminal confiscation. It is difficult to know whether this could have ramification for, for other lawful VAT payers. Thank you very much for listening to this programme. If you have any comments, please see the Starry Decisis Radio Facebook page or Twitter account. And if you have enjoyed this programme, please tell your friends and colleagues about Starry Decisis Radio.